Good morning. Welcome to Advent. It's very quiet in here. Sometimes it feels like in Advent the church is in a bad mood when everyone is happy and there's snow and there's inflatable Snoopies and Santas and all that stuff. And the church is in a bad mood. Why? you're like me, you're kind of dragging yourself into Advent. I, we've had so many different sicknesses that I think I could copyright like an Advent calendar with a different virus every day. <laughs> we've done it all in the last two weeks. <laughs> you want one or you have one at home? How many of you have one at home? So I'm kind of dragging myself into Advent. And um. It feels really different than dragging myself into Christmas. Like Christmas, like Costco Christmas, you know what I'm talking about, like world Christmas parties. That's hard to be dragging in this season. But when you drag yourself into the church, she's in a bad mood. It feels like you're at home. You can be heavy and sick and tired and you can come to the first Sunday of Advent and just find your seat. Advent's the weirdest season of the church because, like we said, everyone's in a great mood. And the church, she just is focused on something else. She's got other things on her mind. But it's also, I think, the most graceful most grounding human and incarnational God with us season that we have. Fleming Rutledge, in her a collection of sermons that she preached in her Episcopal church through Advent, begins, Advent begins in the dark. Why say such a thing? We're heading to Christmas, and we have candy canes, and we have the shopping list, and we have the plans, and the food, and the snow, sort of, today. It's like Texas snow this morning. Why does Advent begin in the dark? Why the dark? In the beginning, the world was formless and void. In the beginning, there was nothing. The Spirit of God hovered over the creation, spoke creation into being. Advent calls us back to the beginning. And it calls us to the end of it all when everything unravels and falls apart. And here we are in the middle. And it sort of works. You know why? Because nothing else does. My in-laws have this habit of giving us, well, it's funny to them. It's not funny to us. We've told them, this seriously is not funny. Do not do this. And every year, they come and visit. They're here this weekend. And they give my kids another toy that sings about Christmas. You know what I mean? Mickey, Minnie, Snoopy, like Donald, I don't know, whoever singing Christmas songs. You know what I'm talking about? If you have kids, you know, and you know, like, it's like hell. 
And you can't take it away because then you're like, you know, going to cause another scar of parenting and being counseling, being, you know, talking about you, doing EMDR. I remember this thing that was given and my parents took it away. And so you have to let them have it. But I think we have like 15 to 20. And it is like, it's seriously the worst box in existence, actually. And um, so I get up in the morning and I try to go to my coffee machine and get coffee and sit and be still. I've been starting every morning the last year or so, just breathing, saying the name of Jesus, and then saying, Lord, have mercy on me. So I try to have this time with Christ in the morning. And then I, I'm off social media and I'm not doing all that mess. But I do open the New York Times. And I just, I brace myself nowadays just to read what I'm about to read. Israeli-Gaza war. Ukraine. Here comes my daughter down the stairs. Pushes that damn button. <laughs> jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle. <laughs> I read some more about we're living paycheck to paycheck. People are afraid of their finances. Whatever the hell's going on in China and all this stuff with you know people trying to have power and, and that stupid toy. And I'm never so I'm never more aware than I am at that moment in the morning with that toy and Jesus and coffee and the New York Times that this isn't working. That toy doesn't give me any hope. Like, I could just join in, Jingle Bell. I, let's stand and sing Jingle Bells together. I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, it doesn't work. And you know when things don't work anymore, like when you've outgrown them, right? Like this is kind of a childish hope. Snoopy, Jingle Bells, whoever it is that day doesn't work. And you read on about all the things, social fights, all the pain in our own country. And then a recipe for New York Times cooking best pies for Christmas. It's such a mess. But Christmas isn't working anymore. For me, not in its entirety. And so then the evangelical American church, we kind of amp up Christmas, right? Have you been a part of one of these things? They kind of turn the, crisp, turn the knob even higher. Like they go from like a seven to a 10. And we're even more blessed and we're even more successful. And there's even more that God has in store for us. And it's more, more, more. And that's Christmas, right? kind of the American understanding of it. We just crank up the slot machine of what we get from God because it's Christmas, right? It doesn't work. So is it all that crazy for the historical Orthodox church to be in a little bit of a bad mood? Or is it a grace? 
Is it all that crazy to say that Advent begins in the dark? To not throw jingle bells in our face in the midst of the suffering and the pain, the catastrophe that we see in the world. To not start Christmas early, you know, Advent's just like Christmas starts. To not come into a worship space just like hyper-focused about the baby and the manger and all that we get in our new life. Maybe it's the kindest thing in the world to admit that Advent begins in the dark, to meet us where we actually are. With the questions and the doubts and the pain we already carry, that even that's so much more prevalent in this season. All my counseling practice, you know, my clients, every year, this season, it just starts, it picks all the old wounds, right? All this stuff comes up. I miss my mom. I'm estranged from my brother. Whatever it is, it all comes up. Advent begins in the dark, not because it's calling us to the dark. It begins in the dark because that's where we are. Don't go home and say, bloom is always so heavy. (laughs) Because that's how you talk when you say it, right? (laughs) You call your friend, bloom is so heavy. (laughs) Like this. It's not heavy. It's human. It's reality. What do we do with reality? Well, Fleming Rutledge again in her book, obviously, go read it. I just made Amy read it. Do you love it? Love it. She says, Advent calls us to this dual citizenship, this dual reality. That Half of us is in this place of waiting. We say, as the psalmist said this morning, come, Lord Jesus, restore and heal. Can you even feel when I say those words how that feels in your body? Restore our world. Give us hope. Give us peace. Do what we know from the core of our being that you are about. We don't know the answers. We don't know how it all works. We don't know who's in and out. It doesn't matter. We're getting in touch with that place that's in us. Come, heal, restore. And we live in another reality, she says, and that reality has the texture of proclamation that we know, we know that there is hope, we know that there is light and darkness, and it doesn't have anything to do with Jingle Bell Snoopy or Christmas or what we get or all that stuff. It has to do with God with us, Emmanuel. That's that dual citizenship, that dual space that we occupy in Advent. That is what she says it means to be an Advent people. That we live in both. You see it? Jesus, in this passage, it's kind of dark. He had just told them... The reading, if you want to put up the first slide of the gospel, the reading says, after he had said all these things, or it says something like that, 
So he starts talking about the end of the world. He starts talking about the unraveling of all time, pulling apart of all creation, the end. So that's one thing. But he had just talked to them about another destruction, the destruction of the temple, basically of everything that they know. So their whole concept of God, their whole religious life, everything that they hold to be beautiful and worth worshiping, the temple, the heart of their common life, their rhythm, it'd be like for us, in a small, 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 it's the table. It's this room. It's like if we had said, like, this is going to just be gone and off the earth. We live in a different age, but for, these, for, the, for the Jewish people, like the destruction of the temple, and that happened. So Jesus is prophesying, saying everything that you know, everything that holds you together as a community that makes life good and rich it's going to be taken from you. Invaders from other nations will come and just wipe it off the face of the earth. That is really hard to hear. And then he goes on to say, one day, one day, all will unravel, will end. And the only thing that will remain is me. We're not going to get into that, but that's you are me and I am in you. That's why Jesus calls us to that holy union with him. But heaven and earth will pass away. I was reading a commentary a few weeks ago, and this, this kind of throwaway line stuck out to me. So we see here again that our entire life is reflected, is projected onto the screen of eternity. And Paul talks about that a little bit too. Our entire lives are projected onto the screen of eternity. And Jesus is kind of getting at that here. He's saying, this destruction that you will go through, destruction of the temple, it's a mirror of what will happen in the eternal realm when all things pass away. If we can, in Advent, be absorbed into that reality, our whole lives are projected onto the screen of eternity. Every hope that we have in the midst of darkness speaks to a greater hope in the eternal realm and forever. Every place of suffering speaks to the unraveling of it all. And we start to get pulled into this place of eternity. We start to get pulled into the reality of forever. And it's kind of like this big, swirling black hole. And all the lives and the wars and the conflicts and the unrest, we're all, swirl we're all being pulled by this kind of divine gravitational force into eternity. All of our lives are projected onto the screen of eternity. What reigns, what is forever And the prophecy 
in the vision of Revelation, the thing that remains is a table. A table. We're all gathered. Wherever a tear will be wiped from our eyes. The banquet table. Jesus references this. That's eternity. We saw a reflection of it in the temporal realm. In a small room, candle lit, when the incarnate Christ was washing the feet of his disciples. When he was so with them. And he set for them a table. This this table that we come to every week. The table where he says, remember who you are. Remember what I've done for you. Remember that I'm with you. Every time that you gather, remember. You know the story. That table projected onto the screen of eternity is the great banquet table at the end of everything. That is to say that there is no suffering and pain in this world that is not assumed by Christ at the end of all things. There is no pain and suffering that we go through in this temporal realm that he is not with us, present, at our table. There's no darkness that we enter into that he is not the light. And there is no catastrophe, there is no cataclysmic event that Christ does not hold. Advent begins in the dark. And the great proclamation of Advent, the great prophetic call of Advent is to see that yet while we begin in the dark, there is a light that is with us, Christ Emmanuel. So what does it look like as Advent people to come to this table for the next four Sundays? It means that we come holding the pain of our world, suffering, the disappointment, the war, sickness. We come holding it and we come welcomed and loved and seen fully that this would be reflected onto eternity, that this Right here is a small, small portion of the table that's been set for you and the unraveling and the ending of all things. That Christ is our light. How do you go about your day as Advent people? We don't ignore suffering. We don't ignore pain. We don't ignore doubt and all the things that come with it. We see it, and we, with this world, we watch and we wait and we say, come, Lord Jesus, and make it all right, restore. And we proclaim. We proclaim the light and the darkness that he is with us, that the unraveling of it all, the end of it all, there remains a place for you for me, for all of us. We watch and we proclaim, 
How do we do that? By the power of the Spirit. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Wherever you are, try to, in the dark of the morning, get to a place, let your soul be quiet in Advent, and pray with the church, O come, O come, Emmanuel. If that's all you can get out, it is sufficient. O come into every place that needs peace and restoration and healing. Come and be our light. That's Advent. Are you with me on it? What a gracious invitation the church has given us. So as we journey towards Christmas, try to stay here. Try to stay on the ground. You know what I mean? Let's be like where we actually live, where people actually live, where needs actually are. We just walk on the ground. O come, O come, Emmanuel.